0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Network Classics here on Primetime with Sean Mooney, and uh, another fantastic episode of Monday Night Raw from the early days, the very early days when they're still trying to figure out what is this program, Uh, what do we want to uh, have on this television program, where is it going, Uh, do we have something here that can last? Hmm, yeah, I guess it did. Uh, But this is uh, from uh, Monday Night Raw, February twenty second, 1993, one of the early episodes. I think we're about six episodes in at this point. And uh, they still have the three-man announce team that is hosting this, and they are still uh, broadcasting from the uh, New York City uh, Manhattan Center. And uh, that uh, was the venue, and they wanted to do that because it was uh, a really great theater, and that's really what it was. And they put a ring in the center of this thing and they had, I don't know what the audience was. It couldn't have been uh, much more than uh, maybe a thousand. I don't even think it was that much. But but it was a really great uh, venue because the crowd was, you could just hear them. You could see them. They were right there on the ring and they would uh, do this, you know, live to tape. Um, th- with uh, with the announcers right there on the floor, so that you could see them, and it was just uh, you know, had a different vibe to it. So, uh, things that uh, they really hadn't done before. It would, of course, evolve many, many, many times over the years. But this was the uh, the early part of it, a you know, much shorter version than what we see today, and uh, you know, uh, God, years and years and years, uh, literally away from what uh, it has become. As we see, you know, every week here in uh, the WWE. But this is when, uh, you know, they're still feeling things out. It was a very turbulent time in the World Wrestling Federation, which was at that point. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot happening. And uh, this episode is really right smack dab in the middle of it. Uh, they built this up uh, as it being a, a show that Hulk Hogan was going to appear on. And if you'll remember back uh, in your history of the uh, WWE, uh, this is when, you know, the, uh, in 92, uh, really the uh, rumblings and, and the public, uh, uh, you know, uh, articles were out there and uh, all this news surrounding this big steroid scandal. And uh, Zahorian, the doctor who had uh, been supplying a lot of uh, superstars with steroids, And uh, it'd come out that Hulk Hogan was involved, that Hulk Hogan was a patient of his. And uh, so uh, he was, he, uh, you know, uh, up to that point, had basically denied uh, being involved uh, in any of the use. And there's a very famous uh, interview that he did, if you remember back, that uh, Arsenio Hall had a uh, a talk show that was, you know, basically competing for the first time. They had a, a late night show. This was on Fox. That was, uh, you know, giving the the Tonight Show a run for its money for you know the first time. Nobody had really been able to last, and Arsenio uh, had a whole new take, kind of a younger vibe to it. He threw out having the desk out there. It was a big couch that everybody would come out on, and uh, for a while there, it was uh, it got a lot of attention, did very well in the ratings. But anyway, I digress. Uh, but uh, setting the stage here, that that was a great venue for him, for Hulk Hogan to go on. And uh, basically plead his case to all of his Hulkamaniacs and, and uh, the world, really. And uh, he would come out and basically deny ever having used steroids and uh, did say he had uh, used them a, a few times in therapy very early on in his career. Uh, that if he hadn't done the sports therapy, and, which included uh, steroids, that it probably would have uh, you know really affected his career in a major way because he would have had to have gone under the knife. And there were a lot of people that advised uh, the Hulkster. A lot of interviews have come out f- uh, since that time saying that they really just, uh, you know, advised him to go out there and just, you know, tell him everything. I mean, just be be flat out honest out there and they would accept you. They, uh, you know, people love Hulk Hogan. Uh, they always have. And uh, he had a tremendous following and they... Uh, I, but I don't know. I don't know if uh, Hope feared that maybe it would really impact his career, that maybe they wouldn't be as uh, forgiving. And it was, you know, his decision. And uh, so anyway, getting back to where we are at this point in time in February of 93, uh, he had uh, c- kind of you know, laid back for a while, kind of let uh, things cool. He had other proje- projects on the side. It wasn't like he was sitting at home. But um, he wanted to to come back, and uh, Brutus, uh, the barber beefcake, who, who as you know is a very was, uh, it was and is a, a very good friend of Hulk Hogan uh, since their uh, early days. They started together, and of course uh, Brutus had suffered that horrific uh, parasailing accident, and you know that was all he knew how to do was uh, to be in the ring, and uh, that was uh, the only real. Uh, you know thing that he could use to ha- have a uh, uh, uh an income to you know so anyway Hulk Hogan wanted to help him out once again as he did and has throughout uh their relationship together and uh Brutus wanted to come back get back in the ring and of course who could help you do it better than Hulk Hogan and uh the week before on this episode Brutus had come out and kind of made his debut again now he had been uh, wrestling a little bit before that he would come out in a mask and do some bits and everybody knew it was brutus but uh this was uh that prior to this uh, he had officially come out and said that he wanted to get back in the ring and uh their first angle was going to be with the million dollar man ted dibiase and also uh mike rotundo uh, who, of course who was uh erwin r Schyster at the time irs and they had formed money inc and the idea was is that uh you know, Brutus was going to team up with the Hulkster, and they were going to uh, take care of uh, Money, Inc. And uh, so this is what was happening at this point, but they had to do something kind of to make it official. So in this episode of Monday Night Raw, which uh, had become the big platform for the World Wrestling Federation, they, uh, first of all, in this episode, show a taped interview that Vince McMahon had done, setting the stage, but they had billed it that Hulk was going to be at uh, Raw, but they uh, wanted to set the stage first, so they, they show in this episode uh, an interview that uh, Vince did with, uh, with Hulk Hogan, a sit-down interview, and then later in the program he would come out and announce whether or not he was actually going to return to the ring, and uh, we'll leave it at that, because uh, I don't want to spoil everything in this episode, but um, it was a good episode, too, though. Uh, overall, they uh, had some you know, great matches. And, and as I've said before, as with Superstars and Challenge, you know, they basically were uh, promotional tools for the WWF. And they would, uh, you know, come out and they have uh, um, what they call squash matches. They would get these jobbers, as they call them, which... Um, is the difference, as I've said, between enhancement talents and jobbers. These were guys that they would just bring out and just uh, beat the living daylights out of to put the talent over. And uh, uh, Monday Night Raw was was a different animal. They would actually have uh, you know other superstars going against each other and uh, made for a better show that way. Even when they had matches that that they uh, you know were basic squash matches or you know, these these matches to put a certain talent over, they would put very skilled enhancement talent in there. And uh, one of these matches, which is really uh, kind of interesting, is Bam Bam Bigelow, who was uh, big at the time with the WWF, uh, goes up against Scott Taylor. And if you remember, uh, Scott Taylor would become Scotty Too Hottie, but at the time he must have been, he was pretty young here, and he's just getting started. And they've got him going up against Bam Bam Bigelow, and then also on the other end of that, uh, there's a match in here that, uh, that features Terry Taylor. And he goes up against Crush. And, and I've uh, mentioned many times like, how hard they tried to put Crush over. Uh, they really did. And it just, no matter what they did. I mean, and and it's, it, he's a very uh, a classic example to me of a superstar who appears to have everything. I mean, he was uh, a great-looking guy, had a really good build, was uh, a decent worker in the ring, you know, and uh, cut a decent promo. I think that's where he may have failed the most, that he just didn't have that presence that came over and really captivated everybody. And sometimes that can be just the wrong gimmick. Uh, as you know, He they attempted to team him up with Barry Darso when Bill Eadie was uh, basically... Um, fading away in the WWF And they wanted to keep demolition going And they started out kind of a, First of all as a three-man team and, and I think the idea was that Eventually Bill would be able to step away And they would just uh, keep going Having, um, you know, Barry Darso and, and uh, Crush uh, Together for demolition And it just just didn't work So here they're really trying to put him over And so they put him in the ring with Terry Taylor which, uh, you know, I mean, he, he was a, a big name and had uh, quite a bit of success with other organizations and uh, really a tremendous career. Uh, WWF, of course, didn't help him with the Red Rooster, but that was a small portion of his uh, life in the ring. But in here, at, at this point, he's transitioning and, and he was doing a lot of stuff backstage. And when they needed to put somebody over, uh, as we saw in many cases, they would, they would put somebody in there who was a very skilled hand as we refer to them sometimes and in this match they have crush taking on terry taylor so that they can have you know a decent match and put him over so uh, that's another one of these matches you're going to see in here also um there's a six-man tag team match and they're, they're giving everybody uh, a lot of juice in this uh with uh the beverly brothers teaming up with Shawn michaels uh who uh, you know hadn't reached his peak yet in the World Wrestling Federation, but uh, still a big name in there, and they take on the Nasty Boys, uh, Knobs and Sags, as well as Tatanka. Well, that's an interesting pairing, wouldn't you say? So, uh, and it's a, it's a it's a good match, uh, as you'll see. So, a lot happening here, and uh, we will uh, get to it all here. Now, you know how it works. As we do this, um, we uh, you got to go to the WWE network. And uh, unlike the other one, you go to in-ring, of course. And then um, you're going to go to, you know, they have all the icons of all the shows there. And you go to Raw, click on the Raw icon, and then it'll take you there. Um, And then I think it says Featured or whatever. You do that drop down there and go to 1993. They have every year of Raw. Um, But you got to go down to the bottom of that drop down, click on 1993, and then go and find... Uh, the episode from February 22nd, 1993. I think it's about six from the bottom. And when I give you the countdown, you guys uh, know when to press play. All right. So we'll take a quick pause here and come back. If you haven't queued it up yet, uh, do so. If not, we'll it'll be a very brief pause. So um, we'll be back. All right. I know you're ready to go now. You went to the network. You got all queued up. And we're going to go to this uh, episode of Monday Night Raw, February 22nd, 1993. Um, At ringside, Randy Savage, Vince McMahon, and Rob Bartlett. Yes, he's still with them. And I also want to thank uh, ProWrestling.net for our notes here on this episode Uh, They're another great resource for you guys. If you want to go back and find out what happened uh, during some of these shows here, man, they've got it all. So uh, big thanks. Big shout out to ProWrestling.net. Okay. Are you ready? Okay, let's get ready to go here. And we're going to uh, go ready. Here we go. Three, two, one, play. And there he is, Rob Bartlett. Well, there he goes. Rob Bartlett saying that uh, he's learned a very valuable lesson that wrestling fans can spell. And, you know, I'm sure that helped put him over, right? Uh, Maybe not. Uh, (laughs) Rob Bartlett, man, I I tell you, I've, I've had several conversations with him. I love the guy. And I tell you, he is genuinely one of the funniest people out there does great impressions and he's got a lot going on still in his career. Does a lot of acting, but this was not uh, this was not his his stage. But he sure gave it one hell of a try with the gum as the macho man Randy Savage alongside Vince McMahon as they erupt. And you know, see, th- wasn't this a great atmosphere though? I mean, really, look, this is just awesome. As uh, they have the card girls, Uh, can't do that anymore. Scantily clad women, they have having the ring with the cards. Uh, Can't do that anymore. I can't, what's this? Oh, putting a little commercial in there for the Auto Body Express. (laughs) There we go. Uncensored or whatever. What was it? Uncut. Un. I don't know. You guys probably know it. I don't. <laughs> it's like. And uh, we've got Howard Finkel on the mic. Love to hear his voice. I, it's one of my favorite things. Every time I'm going back, uh, looking at these things, I get to hear Howard. There's nobody else like him, and to me, he is the ring announcer. He's like uh, Gene Orkelen was the stick man. Howard Finkel, to me, is the ring announcer. And we've got Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, big man, look at him. Uh, but I always was just amazed at how agile he he uh, was. I mean, he he really was great in the ring as far as moving around. And as I mentioned, this is uh, Scott Taylor who would become Scotty too Hottie, sporting the mullet here. And Bam Bam Bigelow, going to work him over. Oh, God, what a freaking shoulder tackle that was. Oh, man, you can just see his head snap back. He's probably is, uh luckily, it's still connected to the stem there. But in these matches, remember, they didn't take it easy, man. They really, uh, and Taylor getting a little offense in there. Tries again, but ooh, he's going to pay for it. At least he landed that uh, clothesline that time in the chest. That first one, man, looked a little high to me. But Bam Bam Mangalo, Bigelow showing, you know, the, just the intensity. As Rob Bartlett does, uh, I think, I don't know if that was Minnie Mouse. But I, I remember, you know, we had a, a boy, puts him up. Oh, Uh, this isn't a good look for uh, Taylor cause you know, he was going to pay for that. But as I, I mentioned talking with Rob Bartlett that he said, you know, that he, it was hard for him to do his comedy in this because a lot of it was, you know, farcical already, you know, that, uh, so a lot of the stuff that he would try and do, of course, wasn't for that crowd. And a lot of it fell flat, but, uh, If you ever take the time to look up some of his stuff, he really is funny. Some of the bits that he did on the Don Imus show and uh, and many people, all they ever saw him was in this uh, format and it just wasn't right for him. But, you know, take the time. Uh, YouTube's got a bunch of his stuff on there, some of his stand-up. He's very funny. And Bam Bam Bigelow continues here to dismantle Scott Taylor I see Jaws with, oh, that was a big backbreaker. Ooh boy. With the flames on the, the tattooed head. And look at, you know, Bigelow is going to go up for this. And really, he was really amazing. I mean, imagine this guy. Uh, he's definitely 300 pounds plus as he does that big flying headbutt pounding away. And there were a lot of guys in the WWF who really uh, were hoisted around a lot of poundage, another headbutt, and uh, really could move. I mean, people like you know, Fred Ottman, you know, tugboat, and of course, uh, typhoon, and also even John Tenta, you know, the earthquake, and Yokozuna. I mean, before he was, you know, at the top of the scales there. But they were, you know, pretty agile athletes considering how massive they were. And Bam Bam Bigelow is one of those guys, uh, no question about it. And uh, Vince introducing himself. And this uh, interview was in Stanford at the studios. As they're trying to set the stage, you know, Vince saying, I'm just waiting, waiting. I want to hear you say you're coming back. (laughs) As he wears IcoPro products. (laughs) And Vince talking that, you know, it was a year ago that we sat down and talked and uh, speculating about Hulkamania. You know, and I think that. A lot of this, there was a shoot in, in the Hulk's part. He missed the, the business, uh, being out there, and uh, that he really, really appreciated those people. And sometimes, you know, you step away a little bit because before that, and he was this massive, massive superstar. I mean, as big a, 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 an entertainment figure of, as anybody else in the world. I mean, uh, you know, the rock status uh, at that point in time. And I think when he stepped away a little bit, it gave him a little more appreciation. And one thing about uh, Hulk is that I always felt there was always a a semblance of that reality to all the promos he did, too. He would take things from his real life, what was going on in his real life, and he would use that. Yeah, so, you know, he's talking about... uh, when people really get a chance to dig into his his life, they find out he's a human being. And, you know, admitting along the line here that he may have made some mistakes. So uh, he sets this whole interview up that he was talking about, you know, like his dad told him, don't do as I, you know, do as I say, don't, don't do as I do. And he kind of will wrap this thing up saying, no, I, I want to be better than that. I want you to do as I do as well. So, you know, you got me yanking through this thing, but uh, I I know that uh, a lot of people, are, if they wanted to just listen to this, you could go to the network and, and uh, just watch it. And if you want to go back and, and listen to the whole thing, but it's uh, listening, when I listened to this before, it just showed, you know. There, there were points where, you know, the Hulk man, when it came down to doing this kind of thing, he was good at it. I mean, he was really good at it. And I think that some of this was very heartfelt. I really do. I mean, of course, it was working an angle. They're trying to get him set up to come back, but I always know that uh, Hulk Hogan really, when it, whenever he was around kids, whenever you saw a man, that was absolutely genuine. He felt and uh, adored young kids. And I remember seeing him around them and, uh, you know, taking the time. Uh, He definitely got it. And talking about, say your prayers, you know, that member. And the last thing he says there is, and believe in Hulk Hogan. That was the thing that he added here. So... Uh, they're setting the stage here. They're going to have Hulk come out later where this live crowd can see him. And uh, there was a big crowd there. I mean, even out front, just to see him. So Hulkamania was still running wild as uh, we get set for a six-man tag team match. That was a really great building. Look at the roof. Look at the ceiling on that place. I mean, it really was a, a great venue. And I love that upper balcony because... You know, see how, you know, people are right there. That's It was a really small theater, as I like to refer to it. And to go in there and see these guys, I mean, it was pretty awesome, don't you think? Uh, you were right there and you got to see. It was different than a house show at a big arena. Because it was a pretty much an, an intimate crowd because there wasn't that many people in that building. It's Shawn Michaels comes out. HBK. Teaming up here with the Beverly Brothers. Interesting union. And that is a super mullet he's got going, man. Look at all that. Look how long that is. (laughs) And they're going up against the nasty boys. So, who are the babies and who are the the heels in this one? Yeah, so nasty he so nasty, had to like him. And then they, they team him up with Tatanka. <laughs> it's like, I can't imagine how they, in this meeting, is like, who's here? All right, yeah, put them together. What the hell? Tatanka goes right to work on Shawn Michaels. This thing's already out of control. They start pounding away. Official has no control whatsoever. I have no idea who that ref was. Gets catapulted right onto the floor. Shawn Michaels down onto the mat, but that was a that's a pretty nasty fall he took. Shaw Michaels like wondering what the hell just happened Bow Bowen Blake. And uh, it's Jerry Sags going to work on, on uh, one of the Beverly Brothers here. As Brian Knobs checks in, and both the Beverly Brothers now, Bo and Blake, get in the armpit, pit, the pit stop. <laughs> I always love that move. That was <laughs> what a great name. And that couldn't have been pleasant (laughs) because, like, they, you know, they were, uh, didn't practice uh, good hygiene, but uh, come on. I mean, by the time they got out there, they had to be doing some sweating, and there goes your face. (laughs) It went up a rash the next morning. Hard into the turnbuckle. Swung across the the ring and uh, knobs hard into that corner. And here comes Shawn Michaels. Tag made. He's a legal man. You know, interesting though for... Shawn Michaels here. Uh, you know, that's... Had broken... Uh, you know, the, the Rockers were uh, no longer a thing. And uh, he had yet to uh, team up and become part of Degeneration generation X. So he's kind of in the middle of all this doing singles competition. And... This was, you know, this time he, he was perfecting his craft, no no doubt about it. He just was getting better and better. But he hadn't really uh, reached that point yet where he was going to be a massive superstar that he would become. And, uh, he, and he could always work, though, man. Just one of the best ever. As he continues to pound away here on Brian Knobs. He could sell a punch, man. Big slam and fouls it up with a clothesline and another one big tackle and in comes Tatanka to and Michaels wants no part of that. And Bo Beverly, Blake looking on. Ooh, chop right across the chop right across the chops. I love Tatanka. I always uh, loved to watch him work, too, back then. I've mentioned many times that uh, he, he took that gimmick and ran with it and was very proud of what uh, he was able to accomplish in his uh, in his eyes as uh, we had our, a conversation during uh, one of our, our PTSM podcasts. As he uh, said, you know, he understood that the fine line he walked between uh, not wanting to make a mockery of uh, Native Americans and... Uh, you know uh and and really spreading the uh educating people about native americans in the in, uh, in the united states and and i think he did a did quite a bit and he even says that you know he would travel around shoulder breaker there blake puts a head, a boot to the side of sag's head but uh he would travel around the country and and uh uh, would speak with many groups and he said it was all very positive. He really didn't uh get negative feedback and that they appreciated what he was doing. So uh I you know great credit to him for what he was able to do. Working on an uh arm bar. and back then the art of the arm bar is uh long gone. Uh, you can't really I, you don't even see people doing arm bars anymore. But they you know they would you would ride that for seconds it's Tatanka one on three there in the corner. As the nasty boys coming a bit late after all that, but Tatonka didn't need their help. Blake with that atomic drop—I never really have understood that. Um, I mean, some people could sell it really well and make it work, but uh, eh, you got to really know what you're doing. Whoa, that stung a bit. You can hear the snap on that chop. It goes back to the arm bar. And, you know, you could do that arm bar for, you know, minutes even. And uh, it'd give you a chance to catch your breath if you were blown up a bit. But also, keep telling the story. Don't see that anymore. Forearm, but knobs. And this, this is always fun. I always love they took these breaks in the middle of a match. And, and uh you know that Vince and and Randy were just cringing at that comment. Whoa, oh man, that was that was a hard out for Brian Nobbs. He did not get a hold of the rope really at all. So man, he just went down hard. Surprises if he's got any, and then into the steel uh, steps there. But did you hear what Bartlett said? He goes, they weren't even wrestling at all during the commercial. <laughs> you know, that Vince. And Randy would probably look at him like, what the F, dude? Really? Uh, Yeah, they would kind of, when they did that, because this is live, okay? This this, uh, episode was live. So um, as uh, Jerry goes to help out Brian there, but uh, they would go to commercial. They'd kind of just, during that break, it was kind of like at a football game, you know? They (laughs) just... They would take a break, wait for the red hat, as they call them, would come out and tell them, "Okay, we're back in." So they might, uh, they might do an armbar, something that uh, until they are ready to go again. And then Bartlett kind of reveals the curtain there a little bit because, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, that just uh, comes from not being real smart about the business, and that's what you know what I'm saying. Not not uh, intelligence, just not knowing how the business works here. And uh, as as. Uh, as he, Rob Bartlett has mentioned, he mentioned in our podcast that he was, he knew nothing about wrestling when he took the gig and Vince told him he liked that. He wanted this, uh, very, um, uh, you know, objective look at the, at what he saw and, uh, boy, did he get it. <laughs> ah, weak cover there. Holds the leg up. Not, not a bad match though, really. I mean, we've got, we've seen some pretty, uh, Good action here. Can't believe that, uh Nobbs. And what a tough SOB he is, man. I mean, that was uh, quite a tumble he took out over the top rope there you saw before. But he, he is one tough guy. And Blake with the big bear hug. As Knobs uh, uh, tries to scramble free, tries to get to the corner, he needs help he's starting to melt as Blake just locks that in as gets closer and closer oh and down he goes can't get there and in comes Shawn Michaels once again booted the head there we go not right into the corner I don't think the Nasty Boys got uh, the credit that they deserve. Those two guys, man, they could work. As Knobs uh, trying to get back over, slowly, in comes Bo Beverly as he uh, doesn't allow Sags to get back over to that corner as Sags and Tatanka helplessly look on. Fist to the forehead. And now in very dangerous territory. Now he's got all three of them working on him and he's trapped in that corner. Never want to be in that situation. And a big, big boot there to the chest. And both men down, Jerry, or uh, Brian, I should say, trying to get to that corner. He's been in there a long time. But where is he? He must be so dazed. He doesn't realize that he's not near his corner. Because he probably would have made it. Oh, Michael's not going to let him. it's probably legit wants to get out of there. <laughs> he looks a little blown up. As he uh, connects one of those nasty boots to the chin of HBK. Into the ropes. Down. Both men go down with that uh, shoulder block. Come on, Nobs! You're not the yeah. Turn it around, brother. You need a compass. Wrong corner. Where am I? I have no idea. Who's going to get there first? And they've uh, both the and Sags have had a lot of time to rest up. He gets Tatanka. Shawn Shaw Michaels, turns the wrong way, and now he's one on one with the tonka. Chops, big uh, hatchet there to the forehead oh man oh man see this shows i mean michael's he's just becoming so good at this point you know he he really his his uh way he could sell in the moves and big power slam is that it for Shaw michaels probably would have been if it wasn't for blow uh bow <laughs> Bo stepping in and uh takes out Bo right there and blake and uh, he's got no hurry to get out of that ring. Another chop. The Tonka climbing up to the top rope there. Is this going to be it for Shawn Michaels? Big chop. Is it enough? Oh, kicks out at the last second. It's so, all right. Not, not a bad six-man tag team match, right? little cue there. Let's see. Oh. Dropped the leg, and uh, they thought a little confusion here. <laughs> Bartlett says, aren't there too many guys in the ring now? They had a line here and there. Come on. That was funny. Oh, so we missed something on that ringside there. Tatanka. Oh, goes over HBK. Uh. Version of a sunset flip there and uh, takes care of HBK as uh, the nasty boys at Tatanka victorious. I like that match. I did. So, you know, you could take these guys uh, who maybe necessarily hadn't worked much with each other and they could put a good match together. And you got a lot going on there, you know. All right. And uh, you guys, this was, I would be gone soon after this. Because if you remember, I wasn't at WrestleMania 9. I did not have a toga on. So, uh, boy, we're talking February. Getting close to my departure. But that is another story. As uh, they tee it up for WrestleMania 9 in Las Vegas. Ah, Randy Savage predicting greatest one ever. And Vince saying, I don't know about that. Well, that's kind of surprise. And Vince continues to uh, put over Hulk Hogan and, and uh, that he's going to be out. And uh, Rob Bartlett saying how much he loves him. Yeah, I think that was a legit shoot there Yeah, out there and uh, the crowd freezing once again. I'm glad that I had that jacket. I had that jacket for a long time. I certainly needed it there. But uh, it was fun. It w- I really loved when we did stuff like that. we go out and have people, uh, you know, where I get to do interviews with people out in the streets. All legit. And there were a lot of people, man, who just showed up. They knew they couldn't get inside the building, but they were hoping maybe they could see... Uh, Hulk Hogan uh, entering the building or leaving. I mean, they stayed there, and they were there all day long. Uh, You know, we would get there early before for production and everything, and there were people lined up, and they did not have tickets. And it was uh, a lot of people wanted to see him back with the WWF. All right, here's uh, Terry Taylor. And as I mentioned before we started watching this, Uh, Terry was uh, a very, very accomplished wrestler. I mean, he uh, had an amazing career with some of the other organizations out there. Uh, pretty much worked for everybody at one uh, one time or another. And, uh, you know, it was later on that uh, he started working with the World Wrestling Federation. And when he came in, you know, I think uh, uh, one thing that really didn't... Oh, look at this. Uh, all the uh, action figures. Sergeant Slaughter, O'Kogan, and Randy selling that. That was cool. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned, Terry Taylor... And he came in and they, uh, you know, he got a bit of a push and then they had him become the Red Rooster, which a lot of people thought that uh, Vince would you know, kind of, I don't know, try and put people in their place or try and humiliate them. Um, I'm not, I don't know, but I I just uh, know that, uh, you know, Terry was not fond of that gimmick and it was, uh, you know, to be the Red Rooster Uh, He did what he could with it. He, uh, you know, did the red tips on his hair and uh, the gel so it stood up, but uh, not one of his favorites. Uh, But uh, Terry, you know, uh, was well-known with other organizations for not just his work in the ring, but also behind the scenes and helping with booking and uh, acting as an agent and helping other young wrestlers and other, you know, established stars put together matches. And uh, so as I said there were points in time when they would want uh, they would call on people to help put somebody over and at this point you know point they're really trying to put crush over and Terry Taylor certainly helped do that in this match because the guy really could work man he was great as uh Rob Bartlett doing his Arnold Schwarzenegger which is very good by the way And Vincent, uh, you know, indulging him here. (laughs) Taylor, Taylor, you're in good shape there, man, still. That's a good, come on, that is good, Arnold, right? Uh, You got that chin lock. And uh, this is another move like you could just do this for a while. Uh, you know, people would sell, sell it. Crush showing a little display of strength here. Terry uh, just shocked that he's able to do this, but come on, look at him. Uh, reaches around and uh, drives that knee into the side and ribs of Crush. Reverses on that with a net breaker and a cover. As you know, that's not going anywhere. And now that's, That's selling, folks, as uh, Crush launched Terry Taylor right off his chest into the air. Trying with some big rights. That's good punches, too, man. Uh, Big block, and now Crush delivers a few of his own and, of course, a lot more effective. And a headbutt. Down goes Taylor. And, uh, you know, Crush, man, had a great look. As I said before, man, he just had a great look, was in great shape, good-looking guy, uh, could work, you know, for at the time, when you think about uh, backbreaker, wow. And and uh, for what they expected from the big guys back then, he, he could definitely work. It's unfortunate that it just never got over to a big extent you know i would have loved to have seen if they could have kept demolition going because i think people love the uh, everything about demolition but it it seemed like it's just that one one of a you know a period of time and it, you needed those two personalities you needed axe and smash to put that over that's that kind of that head squeezer brain buster booth or whatever that uh, but whatever uh too much for Terry Taylor as uh, basically a submission here as Crush gets the victory. So this is, uh, as we said, there's st- I mentioned this before that uh, this is uh, the week prior when Brutus had come out and uh, IRS and Million Dollar Man. Uh, Jimmy Hart feeling empathy here for Brutus as you know you can't cross the line there as uh, as uh, IRS takes that metal briefcase and really uh, boy that was a hell of a shot and uh, you know the, the legitimately a lot of the boys were were worried about working with him because they didn't know I mean he had all those plates in his face the doctor who did it didn't even know how they'd hold up. And uh, Brutus is in there working. It's just pretty crazy. And uh, Ben's saying, don't go away, folks. You got Hulk Hogan coming out. But on that note, man, I'm telling you that uh, legitimately, they didn't know. And Brutus was willing to take that chance because he needed to earn a living. It was a real tough time for him. Had lost everything up to that point. Had... uh, Gone into business out in L.A., I think, with a restaurant and uh, tied up a lot of his money in that. and So he needed to work, and Hulk Hogan, ready to come back. And this was uh, a great way to do it. And listen to the folks when he comes out here. I mean, as uh, Vince McMahon introduces the Hulkster. People going crazy. And Hulk Hogan, obviously, glad to be in front of that crowd at the Manhattan Center. And I know that this was a pretty highly rated episode of Monday Night Raw when Hulk came out. They made a big deal about him coming back, uh, making an appearance and uh, going to announce whether or not he was going to return to the WWF. Yeah, Hulk looks great. Looks great, man. A little issue on that mic. Not hearing it very well. There we go. The mix is a little better. Yeah. Hulkamania is still running wild. And, see, this is when he's talking what happened to Brutus, and this is what kind of setting this up for his return. Yeah, so he didn't even know if he was going to be needed at that point, of course, because he was just saying, I just love seeing Brutus' beefcake back in the ring. Said, yeah, he just, uh, Brutus did it all then of course yeah that no good dirty Irwin I are shyster yeah that briefcase the uh, aluminum briefcase that everybody carried around then And talking about how uh, Brutus getting smashed in the face with that. Yeah, see, that uh, takes him back. Yeah, Brutus is okay. And we're going to find out in person here in a second. Remember the wrestling buddies? Did you have a wrestling buddy? I had a couple of them. I have no idea what happened to them. I think I gave them to my my nephews and uh, some of the other kids in the family. Collector's items now, I imagine. The hulkster. talking about taking care of his friend, the big guy upstairs. Yeah and uh, yeah you could actually refer to religion then folks it was okay Hulk Hogan man looking good then His little uh, brief time out he didn't uh, stay out of the gym that's for sure Yeah, and this is where, you know, and remember at this point, uh, Jimmy Hart was a full-scale heel, man. People love to hate him. He was right up there with uh, Bobby Heenan and the rest of them. And so this was uh first point in time, really, where he had turned and become, uh, you know, full-blown babyface. And I think they, they wondered what how that turn would go. Would the people accept it? And, uh, yeah, they did. It went over pretty well. <laughs> At least for this point in time. And uh, if you uh, know anything about Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart, they have been uh, really, really tight forever. They are very, very close friends. And uh, Jimmy still does a lot of appearances and uh, hangs out a lot with the Hulkster. As they bring out Brutus in full... Hulkster barber wear, basically one of his outfits, but uh, of course the red and gold and uh, wearing a metal plate over his nose. And of course those eyes blackened horribly by that smashed uh, Halliburton case into his face. You know, weird audio mix here though. You're getting, it sounds like we're just here in the house, Mike. Could have been a little more deep on the stick. Yeah, Brutus saying, you know, when I saw that aluminum coming at me, thought I was done. Makeup person did a great job, though, with the eyes, don't you think, though? It looks like they're uh, legit blackened. Did we see any juice? I don't remember. I don't Well, okay. We got it. the titanium steel face he's got. So it's actually saying it's stronger than the, the uh, normal human face. Yeah, well, also thank that surgeon there, Brutus. You really need to thank the surgeon. <laughs> and the story goes, I mean, that uh, Hope legit saved his life on that beach that day because when his face was collapsed, he couldn't breathe. And, uh... You no, know, he reached in and, and uh helped him breathe. Clearing his airway. If you ever really want to hear the whole story about uh what it what happened, uh go back to that episode in the library of PTSM primetime with Shaw Mooney and, and uh listen to the, the first episode. Uh, we've been we've done two now with, with uh Brutus, but uh check out that first episode. He talks about how everything happened, and really, it it is amazing that he lived. It really is. If you think about uh, the circumstances he was in, uh, how long it took people to get to him, uh, they took him to the wrong place, Uh, he laid on a stretcher with uh, nobody really knowing what to do before he got the help that he needed. As uh, Hulk Hogan talks about, here we go. He's going to introduce their new manager. Who could it possibly be? You think he'll have a new jacket? Damn right. Jimmy Hart only does it right. Yeah. And uh, the Hulkster will introduce the new name of the union here, the new tag team that they are going to form. I think it's on... Jimmy's suit, though, so (laughs) everybody's shocked. Jimmy Hart. You say it's the greatest day of his life, baby. You know, and I think Legit Day probably was one of the biggest uh, days of his life because uh, probably always wondered. You know, he'd love to be in a in an angle here with Hulk Hogan. Remember, we got WrestleMania coming up not too far away in Las Vegas at Caesars Palace with uh, the toga theme. So he's, and he's got a new megaphone going with the suit. Yep, saying uh, this this could be the best tag team ever. The greatest ever. Fall time. Yeah. So what are you gonna be called, Hulkster? Tell us. Yeah, Jimmy's telling a man I'm gonna to be totally devoted. Yep. Can take his vitamins. All right, Jimmy. Jimmy delivers. Uh, Hulk says, you gotta get us a match, you get us a match with those culprits. Yeah, Mega Maniacs, I love it. Depending on where, what city we're going to be in and uh, what the house show is. um, uh, Well, Hogan is back. Didn't lose a step when it came to cutting promos, that's for sure. A real American blasting at the Manhattan Center as the new uh, tag team, the Mega Maniacs, and their manager, Jimmy, mouth of the South heart, together, Unfortunately, it would be short-lived. Hulk Hogan would not remain in the World Wrestling Federation much longer before Jimmy and Hulk Hogan would head down south to work with the uh, WCW. We know what happen from there. Monday Night Wars. And it would be a long time once Hulk left to, before he would make a, another return. But here he's riding high, he's back. As uh, the Mega Maniacs get ready. And uh, Vince, man, knowing how to sell it, that's for sure. As we throw in another Caesars Palace, WrestleMania 9. WrestleMania 9, Caesars Palace. And y'all remember what happened there. That was uh, a very memorable event. And just how to get your tickets. You had to call that 800 number. They didn't do it online then. This was 1993. And Hogan must pose and certainly does. And uh, you know this, see and then you got the Undertaker. I forgot to mention that, but uh, this was it wasn't. This is a great show. I mean, I, I mean, as far as the talent they had on this, and you know, who you got to see in this episode, amazing. And the Undertaker, uh, at this point, very very popular in the World Wrestling Federation. That is his shtick down, man, coming down, and Paul Bear and Steve Kern, uh, Skinner, he comes in, and this is uh, you know another another matchup where you had uh, two superstars, two established superstars, Skinner, uh, not not maybe a main eventer, but uh, certainly mid card or higher. And uh, going up against The Undertaker. As they take a quick time out here. And, and here's a great match, right? But I think they went long. And this is a live show, remember? It's not like they could go back in and cut. So uh, they got a, a Kern going up against The Undertaker there. <laughs> and they're basically ending the show. So uh, I'm kind of surprised that they just wouldn't have stretched out that Hulk Hogan thing. I mean, they only had a couple of minutes. And, uh, you know, a little plug here for Jimmy and the Mega Maniacs got to put that over as much as possible. Oh, geez. Uh, That hurt a little. As uh, Skinner jumps The Undertaker from behind. And we are out of time. Remember, it was a live show, folks. So they said, they'll, they'll, we'll let you know what happened next week. But they really didn't have a choice. So they had to hit their times on this. Uh, not much they could do because it was out there. So there you go. Uh, all big cliffhanger there. Who do you think came out on top in that one? hmm i think it was the undertaker Uh, but uh, of course you'll have to tune in next week to find out exactly what took place uh but you know that was a that was a great episode i I, didn't you enjoy that i did i thought it was uh they had a a lot of people in this uh, big names big superstars they didn't time this out exactly uh well especially i think where they probably went wrong was with that uh that whole thing with Hulk and Brutus coming out and then announcing that uh, Jimmy Hart was their manager. And uh, that was about uh, all the time they had. So I don't know, I think uh, you would have thought they could have gone out on a real high note saying, oh, Hulkster's back. But they had uh, Undertaker and uh, Kern there ready to go. And they brought him out there for, what was that? We maybe saw not even a minute of that match. So, uh, you know, I guess adding that... Uh, that uh, live feel to it. This is what happens, folks. And uh, it was live. That episode was live on Monday Night Raw, February 22nd, 1993. As we had Bam Bam Bigelow uh, over on Scott Taylor, who would uh, become Scotty too Hottie. And uh, that six-man tag team match I, I enjoyed. And it was great. You saw uh, Tatanka go over on Shawn Michaels in that uh, six-man tag team match. And then uh, we saw Crush. Yeah, As he goes over uh, Terry Taylor, as they uh, continuing, uh, as they continue to try and get crushed over, uh, find something that would work for him, and uh, because you know uh, Vince really liked him, wanted uh, wanted it to work, it just never really seemed to take off. And uh, the Undertaker, of course, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you how it turned out because next week, if you watch that episode, <laughs> I think you know how it ended. But uh, the whole point of this show, though, really was to to put um, uh, uh, Hulk Hogan over to to have uh, you know him come in and and basically lay the groundwork there for his return to the World Wrestling Federation. And the way they decided to do that was have him teaming up with Brutus Beefcake, who uh, really wanted to get back uh, on the stage and uh, make some decent money. And when you're in the ring with Hulk Hogan, if you're going around the country uh, for these house shows where they would do appearances because that was all part of it as well. You made money anytime Hulk Hogan was on a card in a city, and uh, he was out there. You were going to uh, make a good dollar, and uh, that was uh, Brutus needed to do that at the time. So that uh, they had that sit down with with, uh, with Vince, uh, laying out uh, where he'd been and how what he'd been thinking and what his new attitude and how he was uh, very anxious to get back in the ring, and then of course his appearance on that live show where he brought out Brutus, Beefcake, and Jimmy Hart as they uh, officially established the Mega Maniacs. Uh, That's a uh, short-lived union that they would have, and eventually Hulk Hogan heading south along with Jimmy would do the same thing, and Brutus would show up there as well. So a crazy time in the world of uh, professional wrestling, and certainly right there in the WWF as uh, things would uh, continue to change. In the end, all for the good of professional wrestling all the way around because it uh, set the stage for a lot of professional wrestlers who had put in uh, years and years and years of hard work and really at the mercy of whatever Vince wanted to pay pay them. And you had guys that were now getting contracts, guaranteed money, and making a lot of it and uh, changing professional wrestling forever. So, uh, we'll be doing, we'll do more of these, uh, Monday Night uh, Raw episodes. I love doing them because, uh, you really get a a good take on what's going on in the WWF at the time and, uh, like, really like doing them. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, I did want to comment about, uh, you know, all of the, uh, the the reaction that, uh, and, and, uh, really, really, really kind comments from people uh, now that the word is out that, uh, I uh, will be working with the NWA, the new NWA, uh, with uh, <clears throat> so many great, uh, uh, in, you know, uh, wrestlers that have now joined that organization, and everybody behind the scenes too. Uh, Billy Corrigan and Dave Lagana have just been awesome, and man, I tell you, I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away by uh, the reaction uh, from all all you folks out there, and it was uh, you know, <clears throat> had my first TV taping experience with them. And it went off uh, fantastically well. And just, it was really uh, just fun because that's what they're doing. They're having a blast uh, doing uh, these programs for you. And if you haven't checked it out yet, man, please, you got to catch the episodes, Uh, uh, maybe even start from the beginning. All you got to do is go to YouTube and uh, just search NWA Power. That's power with three R's at the end and uh, and follow it, uh, you know, from the very beginning. Subscribe, because there's a lot more coming. But I think uh, we're 16 episodes in now, and it is a blast as we move forward. And they got a lot planned. But, uh, you know, uh, start from the beginning if you can. If not, we can catch uh, episode 16. But uh, go back and follow it, because uh, there's really a storyline as things go with all of these uh, great individuals that they've brought in. And it's been fun to see, because I've been watching it from the beginning, how these guys uh, are developing their characters and how they're moving them along. And they're they are they're also uh, uniquely, wonderfully different from, of course, Nick Aldis, the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, who is just an absolute class act. And uh, really, I love the way he describes himself as the greatest champion in the modern era. He is so humble about the opportunity has been given, and uh, and and pays tribute to all of those who have come before him. Uh, every time he gets in front of a microphone, and he lives it. Believe me, folks, he is uh, so respectful of the business, and uh, and is a really a great storyteller. Uh, I can't think of anybody else in the business who can cut a better promo, and he is just just uh, at the top and i've i've said it already uh, and we've discussed it as uh, you know nick uh, first mentioned it that it it's a murderer's row of of great uh, talent there who can cut just unbelievable promos and as i said there's all these uh, personalities are so different uh you know you've got nick aldis who's this uh, you know classic uh champion with the three piece suits and uh just regal in a sense you know that he is just uh, the way he presents himself. And he says, you know, that it's all in the details. And believe me, he is very well aware of that and is also important to him. And then you've got uh, some of these other uh, guys that are so great, uh, Eli Drake and Aaron Stevens and the question mark. And uh, of course, the ladies with Thunder Rosa and Allison Kaye, and uh, the list goes on and on. I should mention all of them because they are, they were just, uh, and I got a chance to work with a few of them, but also got to meet all of them. And uh, I'm just really looking forward to it. So I'm going to ramble on, as I have already. But I just want you to know, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is uh, great to be back uh, doing this. It was awesome to be out there doing uh, the interviews uh, just like we used to. And it is going to be a lot of fun uh, moving forward. So, Come along for the ride with me. I uh, really would uh, love to have you uh, do that. And we are going to uh, be having some special content uh, regarding the uh, NWA and all the happenings that are there and, and uh, giving you a chance to get to know these guys. They will be uh, on the podcast. So uh, in the meantime, check out uh, the new NWA. Just go, like I said, go to YouTube and uh, put NWA Power in there. And search and then and start catching up. And as you know, i love to hear from you. Uh, keep uh, keep the comments coming on Twitter and Instagram, at Primetime Mooney. Also, you know, you can also reach me. I also have uh, another Twitter account, Sean Mooney, who? At Sean Mooney, who? You know where that came from, Mr. Heenan, thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, I, I'd love to hear from you on uh, Gmail. I mean, uh, all you have to do is, is uh, connect with me on email, at uh, primetimemooney at gmail.com. That's primetimemooney at gmail.com. All right? Well, I hope you've enjoyed it once again. uh, Again, I love having you uh, tuning in, and there is a lot more to come. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out.